You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop! Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil and it's a full house today, but full house as in uh, I'm in this room and we have everyone else over Skype, as is per usual uh, during everything that's going on. So we do hope everyone is staying safe uh, and uh, doing all right. But uh, let's introduce Matt first. How are you doing, Matt? I am doing fantastic. Uh, I think what we're going to do is ship you one of the Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, cardboard standouts (laughs) that they have here in Chicago, and you can put it in front of the store. Yeah, I'll put a popular coffee chain apron on her, just so everyone knows she's working for the right team. There you go. If you guys aren't familiar, just look up uh, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, coronavirus meme. Uh, It's pretty fun. Uh, they're all amazing so good they're they're great especially in this neighborhood there's a million of them uh, in people's windows uh that was jeff's voice you heard how are you doing jeff you got it dude Uh, i'm doing pretty well um (laughs) yes i'm uh yes the full house reference for matt um i uh you know i'm i'm not enjoying quarantine as much as i thought i would but uh otherwise i'm pretty good nice yeah it is a, a really subpar remake of uh wreck the uh the foreign film but uh it's okay uh ken how are you doing well, it's been uh, probably about it's probably about a month and ten days for me in social isolation. I just got some more good news. Uh, they canceled uh, WrestleMania, but I found out they brought it back in the apartment above mine because whatever they're doing up there <laughs> is uh, creating some serious noise. So I have that to enjoy as well. Well, that's good. It sounds like uh, Drew McIntyre must be up there with Brock Lesnar shirtless going at it, right, Matt? Yeah, or in nine months, you'll have a different sound that's going to annoy you every night. The, the baby's crying. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, yeah, uh, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, mostly my days are either uh, Jim Carrey at the beginning of Truman Show or Jim Carrey at the end of Truman Show. It just depends how the day goes. So I'm just that's where I'm at right now. Uh, who are but, you talking to, Neil? Who are you There's talking nobody to? there. Ovaltine. Um, but uh, we have a very, very special guest here uh, today. Uh, she's going to be hosting our game. She's an Intercontinental Champion on Patreon. Uh, she is from Philadelphia, and that is Tamara O'Brien. How's it going, Tamara? I'm doing well. Thank you. Yes, thank you for joining us. Um, we've had uh, a bunch of different email chains back and forth. Uh, one thing I thought was really fun uh, is you told us that uh, you went to a spaghetti dinner, I believe, with your son. It was a trivia event, and he kind of helped you out because he listens to the show as well. Is that right? Yes, it was a fundraiser for our school, and uh, there was a couple rounds of trivia, and he he completely carried the team through the Mario <laughs> round. So I think we ended up winning, but it was it was very much a, a team effort. That's wonderful. It was and a whole Mario round. It was all yep. Mario themed. That's awesome. Yeah, um, Mario and Dreddy. I know a bunch about him. Yeah, there you go. It's a race car driver. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got into trivia? Sure. So I'm originally from Virginia, but have been living in Philly for the past uh, decade plus. Uh, I'm an actuary, and most people think that that means I can tell them when they're going to die. Uh, that's that's not actually true, but I do work okay. with mortality tables. Um, no, that was and, my follow-up question, so I'm <laughs> glad you cleared that up. Yeah, sorry about that. I could tell you um, very specifically when you're going to die, Matt. <laughs> okay, just save it. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be on the Patreon bonus. <laughs> there you go. 
Um, I just feel like I've been a lifelong trivia fan. I was that little kid who was watching Jeopardy when they were 10 years old and, you know, trying to pull my parents into the game. I'd pull a notebook out and say, I'm going to keep score for us. And yeah, just have, have always loved trivia and was happy to find you guys. Well, we appreciate your support. Um, we did a special recording uh, for you uh, due to your Patreon um, support, uh, which a lot of a lot of you, if you join Patreon at patreon.com slash Triviality Podcast, uh, other than bonus content, uh, which is, you know, extra episodes or just fun conversations between us, uh, some of the perks can include a recording and Tamara chose to have us as her alarm clock. So how's that been working out? Hopefully you've been waking up, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's amazing. I wanted something completely like funny and ridiculous to wake up to. So I would start the day with a smile on my face. And I think I was pretty vague in the instructions. And you guys just knocked it out of the park. It's, it's hilarious. And I appreciate it. Wonderful. Uh, well, glad we, we were able to uh, help you out there. Uh, well, today's going to be a two on two game. I believe I'm going to be partnering with Matt. We don't get a chance to do it too often. And uh, I think it's going to be pretty fun today. And Jeff and Ken are going to team up. Uh, Jeff, Ken, team names? Yeah, so uh, there's one episode of The Office where they uh, they go with uh, Team Voldemort uh, just to piss Dwight off, I guess. But uh, I'm more of a Lord of the Rings guy, so uh, I'm reading The Silmarillion right now in, in my off time. So how about we be Team Morgoth? Team... Is that to piss Neil off? I don't, you know, yeah, I, I guess so. I don't, he's <laughs> the Voldemort of Lord of the Rings. Team Morgoth. Team Morgoth. Well, I have enough goth on my team with Matt, so I'm fine. But uh, <laughs> I think, Matt, if you don't mind, I think our team, uh, in honor of Tamara and to make fun of Jeff a little bit, we should be um actuary. Oh, I like it. I ju- yeah, that's great. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's well, really good. Thank you. Uh, well, let's throw it to the rules guy and uh, let's see him do his best Philadelphia accent. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. The cream will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. I don't know what a Philadelphia accent sounds like, I, to be honest. I don't either. I think that's whatever. Pe- whatever the rules guy just said, that was it. Yeah, there you go. Kind of sounded like it, uh, Kate Blanchett doing the uh, lead into Lord of the Rings. Actually, <laughs> it's very specific. Um, all right. Well, uh, Tamara, uh, feel free to take it away, and uh, we're ready to play. And that rhymed. Look we did that. have a. I believe we had a wager on this game, though. Does oh, that, Matt, Matt, you're right. Uh, you came up with it, Matt. So, what what is our wager today? Yeah, well, I know Neil's been been uh, on the TikTok quite a bit lately. It's been his quarantine time passing activity. So uh, the loser of this is gonna learn one of those TikTok dances and record it. So uh, we're gonna be posting that on Patreon first, and I believe we'll post that in the crop after some time. So that's what's at stake here. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> and for the record, Jeff did say if Judy Dench can do it, I can do it. So everyone's in agreement. Okay. So. Um... Yeah, I wrote a game inspired by quarantine because uh, 2020. So I hope everyone is is doing all right out there. (laughs) And uh, we'll just get started with number one. So question one, make it a double. With bars and restaurants closed, people are becoming amateur bartenders and mixing up cocktails at home. Stay steady on your feet and tell me what drink you'll get if you mix one one and a half ounces of vodka, four ounces of orange juice, half an ounce Galliano, and garnish with an orange slice and cherry. Okay, so uh, I have an idea on this one, Jeff, so we're going to lock in. So we're trying to get to the clue. I'm not sure. The only the only orange juice-based drinks I can think of are the screwdriver, which is just vodka and orange juice, right? Yep. And then the wall banger, which I think has those other things in it, but maybe not. Um, I'm kind of good with wall banger. I mean, if, if that was your... I guess if that's what you did. Oh, you... or maybe it's and it's isn't um. Oh, a sidecar. Har- or Harvey Wallbanger or something. Har- Harvey Wallbanger maybe... is is the name of it. Yeah, yeah. Let's just go Har- Harvey Wallbanger. And we are gonna go with the guess of Fuzzy Navel. Okay, so points to Matt and Neil. It's a Harvey Wallbanger, and uh, the the clue is to stay steady on your feet so you don't go banging into the walls. Oh, okay. okay. I thought that too. And I was like, it kind of works. So I'm good with it. Yeah, I detected a little, a little, a little bit of a stretch. there, but I, 
I couldn't pick up on it. Oh, Harvey Wallbangers, what's going on above Ken in the apartment? Upstairs? <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving on to question number two. Come and play a game with me. Stuck at home, many people are dusting off their card games and having a few rounds of fun with friends and family, perhaps so as not to strangle them. Name this card game, originally released in 2011, whose creators were also responsible for annual Black Friday stunts, which have included the holiday hole and mailing boxes of actual b- I got it. Yeah, I'm good. I know what you mean. Yeah, so Matt and I were looking at each other. I shouldn't say we're looking at each other because uh, it's impossible <laughs> right now. But uh, we both said Cards Against Humanity at the same time. Uh, they have a theater here in Chicago. I think they're based in Chicago. I'm not sure. But um, we enjoy that game. So that's what we're going to lock in with. Yep, Cards Against Humanity seems about the right timeline. And I've heard of those uh, gags. So Cards Against Humanity. Yeah, points all around. Cards Against Humanity. And I believe they are from Chicago. Are they? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Okay, number three, hold the virus. Hold the virus is what every dad ever will say from now on when they're ordering a Corona beer. While Corona is famously produced in Mexico, it's owned by what European parent company? Uh, I think we can lock in with that answer. Sounds good. Can I know it's imported by Anheuser-Busch, but I don't, that's not European. Do, is it maybe uh, Stella Artois? It could be. I mean, I've, I've got nothing better. Either that, I don't know if Heineken owns them. I'm not sure. Ooh, um, maybe, let's guess Heineken. Uh, well, we were on the same page there, and we also thought it was Heineken. Okay, so it is owned by Anheuser-Busch in Bev, and they are based in Belgium. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, and there, there was a rumor going around that Corona sales dropped in light of the virus with this implication that it had to do with the association of the name. But their sales did drop, but it's just because people can't go out anymore to, to mm-hmm. bars and, and venues. All right, um, so number four, uh, silver linings. All of the social distancing and working from home is having a positive impact on the environment by reducing emissions and improving air quality though it's clearly not what those who supported the Clean Air Act would ever have intended to achieve the results. What I'd like to know is, who signed the Clean Air Act into law? All right, so it seems that uh, Jeff has a guess, so we're going to lock in with his guess. Okay, so Matt originally wrote uh, Roosevelt, Taft, and Andrew Jackson. Uh, No, that's not right. (laughs) Uh, No, I did not. You said Clinton and Bush. Um, I feel like that was the era when... Like the EPA regulations were hitting the factories and we, you know, we started seeing um, changes in automobiles and the amount of exhaust that they can have as far as like new cars produced in that like 90 or the maybe maybe it's closer to to Bush because Hummers and stuff were still pushing out a ton of that stuff in the early 2000s. Are we talking about Bush Jr. or Sr.? Yeah, uh junior junior okay yeah i mean yeah i i would think it'd be pretty recent because i feel like that's something that you know people more people are getting behind each year and uh i could see that not really only ha- you know only happening 20 years ago so yes i'm between those two do you have a preference uh no i'll lean towards your gut i mean it's been right so far so do you want to just go for uh, George, uh bush jr yeah okay bush jr Okay, so uh, yeah, I I think Richard Nixon started the EPA, so we guessed uh, Nixon. Okay, so no points on this one. There were amendments in the 70s and the 90s, but the uh, original Clean Air Act was passed by LBJ in 1963. (laughs) So I I was very surprised when I looked this up, how early it was. I was only off by 40 years, so so close. Wow. Okay. Question five, Lonely Island. And this is a uh, listener submitted question from my Uncle Kevin. Part of me thinks it might be easier to maintain social distancing if I were on my own island. While I won't be able to make this happen, you can answer this question about islands. Name two of the largest three islands on Earth, not including continental land masses. So you have three guesses, but you only have to name two of the largest islands. Okay. So then are you guys locked in or are you still thinking about it? No, we're good. Okay. So pretty sure Greenland's one of them, right? Uh, And then what are some of the others? So probably the Philippines, uh, maybe Thailand. Well, I know I wrote a question about um, Thailand's, Thailand's largest island, which is Phuket. 
but I don't know if that one is larger than any other type of islands. Um, maybe New Zealand. I think I think New Zealand and Greenland is a good guess for two out of the three. And I guess we get a third one. Yeah. So we can we can throw in. Uh, you can just say Cuba just for the heck of it. Yeah, fine. We're gonna we'll throw in Cuba as our third. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that I know the top like five ish. Um, I know Greenland is the largest. I think two is New Guinea. And then three is Borneo, if I'm not mistaken, because it's all in that like Indonesia, Papua New Guinea area. Okay. Yeah. Spot on for Morgoth. Greenland, New Guinea, and Borneo even had them in order. Oh, boy. Um, After five questions, it is 20 to 20. Okay. Number six, binge worthy. Quarantine might be the perfect time to snuggle up on the couch and devour some binge-worthy content. According to Nielsen, the top-rated acquired show on Netflix for the week of March 2nd, 2020, is The Office. This show is appropriately ranked second as it stars castmates from SCTV. Name this show. We can lock in over here at Um Actuary. What is, all right, so what is SCTV? It was a TV show that ran in, I don't know, like the early 80s. It was like a comedy show, like a Canadian comedy oh, show. Like the only I the only person I know was on it was, uh, I know Rick Moranis was on it for a little bit. Oh, I'm not familiar with the show. Um, so what we're looking for is older Canadians, huh? Probably, yeah. Oh, um, what about uh, Schitt's Creek? Oh, I like that. Yeah, because uh, yeah. Eugene, Eugene Levy, Levy Catherine O'Hara, that would be Catherine about right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Shit's Creek. Yep. Uh, second uh, SCTV was uh, Second City TV based off of Toronto's Second City Troop, uh, which had Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy from Shit's Creek. And now, now that nice. we're like we started talking about it, all the puzzle pieces dropped into place, and I did actually hear a interview with uh, Catherine O'Hara where she was talking about this. That was a great pool. Um, yes, it is. It is uh, Schitt's Creek. So points all sh- around. I feel like it was a show my dad watched when I was a kid, like reruns. <laughs> yeah, it seems likely. Knowing I, your dad. I love yeah. Schitt's Creek. We just uh, we just finished the finale, the series finale, which was very good. So great show. Okay, number seven, food delivery. Another part of the new normal is food delivery services, which are helping immunocompromised or other at-risk individuals stay at home while still checking off their grocery lists or enjoying their favorite takeout. Meals on Wheels can be considered one of the OG delivery services. The first Meals on Wheels deliveries were made in the UK in the 19, early 1940s, 4041, in fact, during what World War II event? Oh, I've got an idea, Ken. Well, you said in the UK, right? So... Um, 1940, 1941-ish, so it's not a specific date, so it's not like D-Day or something like that. So if she's saying World War II event, maybe is it a, like a specific battle, like the... um, uh, Like Operation Normandy or... No, I, what's the one with um, uh, Churchill when they were they were bombing London? Uh, oh, man, there's, oh. A, there's a specific name. It's when they had... Uh, it was the Blitzkrieg by the Germans. Um yeah, yeah. I, I, I it's the one where they bomb London, and in in Doctor Who they had the gas masks on, and it was that whole episode. I I can't remember the name of it. So you, you, with like with like the uh, mustard gas, is that kind yeah, of like what they did for that episode? I don't. You just want to say the um the first bombing of London, maybe? Maybe that's specific enough. Sure. Okay. Yep. Uh, we're pretty sure this is uh the Battle of London, uh, or the Blitz, as they commonly referred to it. Yeah, point, points all around. I, I would have accepted the Blitz or, or just the bombing of London. Um, obviously, this um, you know arose a need for, for people to have food delivered to them. And the early deliveries were actually made with prams. And they would use straw bales to kind of insulate the food and, and keep it warm. So great, great job, both teams. Wow. All right. Okay, next, number eight, a diminutive question. If you've been consuming a lot of news content, you've likely heard that corona comes from the Latin word for crown, and it lends its name to the coronavirus for the crown-like spikes on its structure. What word, which is also the name of the best-selling car of all time worldwide, comes from the Latin for little crown? Uh, I think I've got it, Ken. Well, at first I was thinking mini, but I don't think that's it. I think the best-selling car of all time is the, um, the Volkswagen Bug, but 
Well, so if if Corona is Latin for crown, right, and we're looking for little crown, maybe it's a cord. Oh, if similar, yeah, if similar letters. The Honda Accord. Simil- yeah, does that does that sound right? It's better than I I can think of. I'm just trying to. I guess the Honda Accord might be the highest selling Camry. Toyota Camry? No. No, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, yeah. You want to go Honda Accord? Yeah, we're gonna lock in with that. Yeah, we uh, we think it is a Japanese car, uh, and and we think it is a Toyota. We we're guessing the Corolla. Mm. Oh man. All right. Points to Jeff and Ken. It was the Corolla. Uh, it actually be so. It's it was introduced in 1966. About 50 million of them have been sold, and it beats out uh, the Volkswagen Beetle and the Model T as the other top-ranked um, selling cars. How, how do we get to Camry and not go to Corolla? I know, I know. <laughs> Just We should stop. So like, yeah, we're done. <laughs> okay, number nine. Since we no longer have face-to-face interactions with family and friends, emojis can be a good way to communicate expressions and gestures. According to Emojipedia, of the newly released emojis in 2020, this one is the most popular on social media. I could see someone using this to say, ma che voi, and apologies to all of your Italian listeners. I, I did my best with that. But look at my emojis right now. And I'm like trying to, I don't think I have the, the newer ones. I don't either. I don't even know what they added, to be honest. There is an emoji that has like a face mask. Um, I've seen that and there's one. Also, and there's also the one that people use for hand washing and for other things you would do in quarantine with the water drip, the three drips. Um, I've seen that one a lot on social media. Or no. What about the, um, I don't even know what you call it. Uh, when when people do a really bad impression the, of the Italian fingers, the Italian yeah, I fingers. I know what you're getting. At. I don't think there's an emoji for that. Okay, I don't. I've just, that's what I'm thinking of because I I know I saw one on uh, this pizza place. Or I guess that's their regular logo, but uh, recently yeah. they just used that as their new logo. Well, well, eggplant parmesan is very popular with the Italians. Okay, we can go. It's a, it's, a, can, it's a pretty popular emoji. I thought the eggplant's been for, around for a while because I've been known to send a few eggplants. It, you know it, what I mean? No, you haven't. It, it, is, a, it is a popular <laughs> and older emoji. Okay, that's uh, fine. But yeah, let's just go eggplant because why not? All right. All right, that's uh, two eggplants. Okay, and if Neil were playing by himself, he would get points. It's called the pinched <laughs> fingers or the Italian hand. And oh Mache Voy translates to like, what the hell are you saying? Oh. So <laughs> Italians I, I had everywhere. No idea. Yeah, it like it just came out in 2020. I don't even have them on, on my phone either, but there was a buzz on social media and uh New Jersey's official Twitter account simply tweeted endorsed. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Ken, isn't that your favorite uh actor from Split, uh, James, what the hell are you saying? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, last question of the round. Number 10, a place for everything and everything in its place. With all this extra time at home, you might as well do some early and extended spring cleaning. What Japanese organizing consultant took the world by storm? First, with her 2011 book, which was released in the U.S. in 2014, then with her 2019 Netflix show. Then take a step backwards, and for two bonus points, give me the name of her organizational method. We can lock okay. in over here. We, I was just saying, oh, it should yeah. be good, Ken, since we tried to watch this together, and uh, it did not spark joy. Well, it's not right. It did not spark joy actually in me. I, I was yeah. really surprised. Um, do you know the name of the organizational method, Jeff? Uh, I don't know offhand. Was okay, you might. so. We'll just take the regular points with uh, Marie Kondo, and um, the organizational method is the, uh, the three-step uh, joy process. <laughs> yeah, Matt and I knew this one uh, right away, uh, Marie Kondo, and uh, I believe the um, technique is KonMari. Okay, yeah, points all around, and the bonus to Matt and Neil. Oh, so wow. her technique is kind of like her name, but like flipped backwards, Conmar. Yeah. It was at one bonus point? Uh, two. Oh, two. Nice. Okay. That could be all the difference, though. 
After the first round, it is 52 points for Um Actuary and 60 points for Team Morgoth. Uh, now, before we get to the swing round, Tamara, um, we did talk a little bit about your son helping you out at Trivia, but uh, you also got a little bit of help from some of your friends in the crop with today's questions. Is that right? Yeah, definitely grateful to Ryan Burroughs and Savannah Campbell. They both gave the, uh, the quiz a review and gave me some great feedback. So appreciate that. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. And uh, yeah, uh, what do you have in store for us today for the swing round? Okay, so hopefully we're all listening to doctor's orders and staying home and minimizing contact with others and, of course, washing our hands. Let's see how well you listen to these fictional doctors. I have quotes from doctors in TV or film or from real people who we just call doctor or doc. Uh, but they do not have a um, medical degree. I don't have a word for that. That's, but, uh, that's I'm called the Jeff. Fictional doctors. Doctor Oz, right? Yeah. Is it? No. Okay. He has a medical degree. Um, Just because he's a bad man doesn't mean his <laughs> uh, degree should be well. His degree should be revoked, but it hasn't been. All right. So I will give you the quote. And I will tell you whether it's a real person or whether it's a doctor from film or TV. And you're just going to name the doctor. All right. Okay. Okay. Okay, Number one, I have been in the game for 10 years making rap tunes ever since Honey was wearing Sassoon's. Nice. That's a a real person. (laughs) Number two, from film. I make it a rule never to get involved with possessed people. Actually, it's more of a guideline than a rule. Number three, from TV. The truth is out there, but so are lies. Number four, this is a real person. I keep both eyes on my man. The basket hasn't moved on me yet. Number five, from TV. Date, September 22nd, 1989. Kissed my first girl, lost my first patient. Life will never be the same again. Number six, from film, you're talking out of your tail feathers. Number seven, a real person, kid, you'll move mountains. Number eight, from film, I wish we could talk longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Number nine, a real person, if you throw a lot of pitches before you know it, your arm is gone. And number 10 from TV, never hide behind the fact that you're a woman and don't give up on your dreams just because you're afraid you can't achieve them in a man's world. You just have to fight even harder to make them come true. All right, we're going to take a look at these questions and be right back. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All the answers are now locked in, and let's hear those questions one more time, Tamara, and we will give our answers. Okay, great. Number one, a quote from a real person. I have been in the game for 10 years making rap tunes 
ever since Honey was wearing Sassoon's. All right, I'll start off with this one at Team Morgoth, and we're going to go with Dr. Dre. Well, yeah, this is one that we were 100% definite on and said Dr. Dre. All right, great. Both teams get points there. Number two, I make it a rule never to get involved with possessed people. Actually, it's more of a guideline than a rule. Yeah, uh, we had no idea on this one, so we're going to just go with uh, Dr. Disrespect. Good guess. Uh, uh, yeah, I believe this is uh, Bill Murray talking to Sigourney Weaver. And uh, we said Dr. Peter Venkman from Ghostbusters. And that's right, Dr. Peter Venkman. Good job. Number three, um, I think that the team zeroed in on the show here. This is uh, TV. The truth is out there, but so are lies. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that uh, this is a reference to um, Dr. Fox Mulder. So that's what we said. Yeah, I wasn't 100% sure if it was Mulder or Scully, but we locked in with uh, Dr. Fox Mulder. So, right show, wrong person. Mm. It was Dr. Dana Scully. Oh, I think yeah. uh, oh, she was she was more well-known as the skeptic uh, mm-hmm. between the two of them. Uh, number four, I keep both eyes on my man. The basket hasn't moved on me yet. Yep, pretty quickly, I thought this was Dr. J. Yeah, Matt and I first, for some reason, thought it could be Dr. Ruth, um, but we <laughs> quickly were, we were trying to figure out where the basket came from, and then we quickly moved over to uh, Dr. J. Right, Julia Serving, Dr. J. Uh, good job, and it was it was really great to, to hear you guys get to that point. <laughs> well, I do wonder what Dr. Ruth's jumper looks like. Uh, we'll have to figure that out at some point. All right, uh, number five, this is from TV. Date. September 22nd, 1989. Kissed my first girl, lost my first patient. Life will never be the same again. Uh, have you met Doogie Hauser? So we said Dr. Doogie Hauser. Uh, yeah. Um, one of my favorite shows as a kid, uh, Doogie Hauser MD. That's right. That was one of those great journal entries uh, on the computer at the end of the show. So points all around. Number six from film. You're talking out of your tail feathers. That seems like a cowboy sort of thing to say, so we're going to say Doc Holliday. Oh, that's a really good guess. Yeah, we weren't sure. We were all over the board on this one, uh, and we kind of referenced Nelly with Shake Your Tail Feather, and I think that was in Dr. Doolittle with Eddie Murphy, so we locked in with Dr. Doolittle. Yeah, as a doctor who can speak to animals, it was Dr. Doolittle. (laughs) All right. Nice job, Matt. Oh, man. Okay, number seven. Um... A little bit of a, of a harder one here. Tried to throw you a curveball. This is a real person, and the quote is, Kid, you'll move mountains. Yep, uh, we think that's from uh, all the places you'll go. We said Dr. Seuss. Mm. Yeah, but we weren't sure. It sounded kind of uh, like some, some Dr. Seuss writing, so we said Dr. Seuss. All right, and I, uh, I couldn't fool anyone here. It is from all the places you'll go. Um, but I, I chose something that didn't rhyme and you got it anyway. So great job. <laughs> uh, number eight from film. I wish we could talk longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. That one would be Hannibal Lecter. We went with the Oscar winning performance of Dr. Hannibal Lecter. That's right. Silence of the Lambs. Okay. Number nine, a real person. If you throw a lot of pitches before you know it, your arm is gone. Just figured we'd throw in a second uh, Neil Patrick Harris reference and say Dr. Horrible because we have no idea. Yeah, I was trying to think of any famous baseball doctors and uh, yeah, I couldn't come to anything except Roy Halliday. It was called Doc Halliday at one point, but uh, we went with Tommy John based off the surgery. All right. So no points on this one. This is Dwight Doc Gooden. Oh, yeah. Oh, and there's the doc. Picture. Yeah. All right, last one in the swing round, number 10. Never hide behind the fact that you're a woman and don't give up on your dreams just because you're afraid you can't achieve them in a man's world. You just have to fight even harder to make them come true. Um, We're going to go with uh, Meredith Gray from Gray's Anatomy. Yeah, we were on the same track. Uh, Didn't know her first name, so we just locked in with Dr. Gray. Though if it's Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, I'm going to be furious. So... Uh, turns out it's a uh, actress from a 90s TV show who shares her name with one of uh, Henry VIII's wives. 
Jane Seymour. No. So it is Dr. Quinn. <laughs> Told you. Know, you. As, as you were reading it, I was like, I wonder if it's Dr. Quinn medicine. <laughs> I had never even thought of it until that was, know. that was a, that was a game time decision for me. Cause we wrote both Meredith gray and Dr. Quinn medicine woman. And I just heard the quote one last time. And I was like, that's gotta be one of those Grey's anatomy voiceovers. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> After the swing round, the game is very, very close. Uh, team um actuary has picked up a very, very slight lead with 87 points. And just right behind them are team Morgoth with 85. So, uh, good swing round there for us, and let's see how we can do in the second round. So feel free to take it away, Tamara. All right. Uh, question one, masterclass. This woman could teach a masterclass in social distancing. Before the term existed, this poet of Amherst was practicing daily. She went through periods spanning decades where she rarely left her house. On the plus side, this gave her the time to write beautiful poetry for the world to enjoy. Oh, boy. I believe we are locked in here. So poetry, not leaving your house. Was Virginia Woolf, did she leave her house? That's the one Nicole Kidman played, and she won for the hours, right? Well, if she didn't, then no one would be afraid of her. That's true. She right? won for the Oscars. She won for the Oscars. Yeah. Did she leave her house? So the only ones I'm thinking of are Virginia Woolf. <laughs> I wasn't watching. I don't know. Uh, well, she did leave her house, unfortunately. It was a very depressing ending, but we won't go into it. Okay. Um, it, Virginia Woolf, uh, Emily Dickinson... Those are the two that are mm-hmm. on the top of my head. I, I don't know if Emily Dickinson did not leave her her house. Yeah, like if she had like a like a meetup, she would go to right. Like some sort I don't, of I don't know Algonquin yeah, Round Table. Uh, right. I like uh, intramural volleyball. If you have no meat in the game, or what is it? What's the skin in the game? <laughs> <laughs> skin of the game. I got no skin on that bone. Yeah, skin on that bone. Um. I for some reason I'm thinking Virginia Woolf. She was sort of a I think a recluse uh, by uh, for a little bit. So I kind of feel like it might be her, like a lone wolf. Like yeah, a- we can lock in. <laughs> Virginia Woolf locked in. Uh, we locked in pretty quickly with uh, Emily Dickinson. All right, points to Morgoth. Uh, Emily oh. Dickinson was kind of a, a famous recluse, and uh, was just reading some of her work as I was looking this up. Hope is the thing with feathers, and because I could not stop for death, are both very beautiful and and worth Mm. a read. Sorry, Matt. Okay, number two, take it easy. Many are turning to music to keep spirits high during quarantine, including this Eagles classic written by Jackson Brown and Glenn Frey. Though the incident inspiring the song actually took place in Flagstaff, this town wisely capitalized on the popular lyric by erecting a statue of a guitar-toting young man on the corner of North Kinsley Avenue and Route 66. Do you know the song? Yeah, so and I feel bad for for saying this. Um, I know there's a lot of Eagles fans out there, but I, I'm not a huge fan of the Eagles. Uh, but I do know the song. My dad played Eagles' greatest hits a lot when I was growing up. The number one selling album of all time, right? I, I believe so, yeah. Their greatest, their compilation album or whatever. All right, we are locked in. There's a lyric that mentions a city, okay. but I don't remember it. All right. Well, Matt and I had been tossing around. I mean, I should say I tossed around Phoenix because uh, Tamara said. Well, you asked what the capital was. <laughs> so well, I asked what the capital Phoenix. was, yeah. Cause she said uh, they capitalized, so I thought maybe that was a hint. Because mm. uh, she said the original, you know, it took place in Flagstaff, or they talked about Flagstaff, or at least that's where the streets uh, crossed over and I'm just wondering she didn't say Arizona so I'm wondering if it means the capital of Arizona yeah that could that could be it um, or Tucson another big city um, we can go with Phoenix okay all right take uh, it away Jeff yeah uh, well I, I think I'm gonna take it easy because I think he's uh, on the corner in Winslow Arizona with yeah, seven women on his mind is. so all right. Yes, it's Winslow, Arizona. That was a unintentional use of the word capitalized. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes, that's the lyric standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona. You've had some good um, uh, clues before, so I was just kind of trying to pick up on that. Number three, won't you be my neighbor? The upside of staying at home means you may have more opportunities to connect with your neighbors so long as you stay six feet apart. Mr. Rogers had plenty of neighbors to share his feelings with, including seven original puppets. Name at least three of these characters, which are currently on display at the Pittsburgh Children's Museum. 
Well, I know how I feel about my neighbors because it seems like they're uh, smoking in the uh, the lobby and uh, I can smell it in my apartment. So I think I'm going to have a word with them. But uh, I think we can lock in with the puppets. All right. Matt and I are locked in. Uh, yeah, so we have um, we have King Friday and Daniel Tiger. Uh, one I can picture uh, with like a long uh, nose. Lady, uh, lady something. Yeah, the, one, the one is kind of a grump, right? Yeah. Oscar. Wrong one. And I keep thinking of uh, Candyland characters. <laughs> Queen Frostine. Um, well, I remember Mr. McFeely, but he's not a puppet. He's a puppet of the government. <laughs> <laughs> did you say mr feeney puppet of the federal government did you say mr feeney the puppet no 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 mr Feely. mr matthews he's the delivery man oh yeah oh right he's currently on strike working for amazon i think he's the delivery driver all right well i don't think we're going to come up with any more so um all right, so we're gonna lock in with uh, King Friday, Prince Tuesday, and uh, Daniel Tiger. I think there's definitely a Daniel Tiger King mashup somewhere. Yeah, uh, uh, Matt and I. We? I think we got four together. Yeah. So he said, uh, Daniel Tiger, King Friday the Thirteenth, um, Queen Sarah, and then what's the last one? Grand Pierre. Gr- I believe Gr- it's pronounced. Grand Grand Pierre. Yeah, that's what I. That's the other one I had. But uh, our official answer is Daniel Tiger, Queen Sarah, and King Friday the 13th. All right. Um, good job. So that's points to um actuary. All right. So the the list of seven that I have here of the original puppets, I think there might have been a son later. But according to um, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood website, it's King Friday the 13th, Queen Sarah Saturday, Henrietta Pussycat, X the Owl, Lady Elaine Fairchild, Daniel Tiger and Grand Perry. Hmm. Yeah, it was Lady Elaine. That's who we were thinking of, Jeff. Get yeah. out. Yeah. All right. Well, and next uh, next question. Number four. Google me this. If you're like me, you spend some amount of your newfound free time in quarantine Googling things that you've always wanted to know. What is a post Malone and why do people hate the word moist are two of my recent searches. <laughs> Today, I stumbled on a new fun fact about the number pi. If you've ever uttered, how I wish I could calculate pi, then I found an answer for that too. But first, please write out pi to six decimal places. All right. In that case, uh, Jeff, I think we can lock in together. Yep, I've got it. Matt, I have no idea. So I am leaning Mm -hmm. on your shoulders because uh, I have, yeah, I have no idea. Big shoulders. Just passed Pi Day last month. Um, Gives you a little clue. Uh, I used to know it all the way up to 10, but I'm slacking now. But uh, I believe it's 3.141592 is the first six. So that's what I locked in with. Yeah. uh, I think the next one after that is six, Matt, but we said 3.141592. It's always got a one up, you know? I think he's right, right, though. So points all around. And there was actually a clue in this question. Mm. How I wish I could calculate pi is a seven word phrase. And the number of letters in each word. So how is three? I is one. How I wish I could calculate pi gives Mm. you um, it gives you those digits. That's awesome. That is good to know. Yeah, that that was the fun fact I stumbled on while Googling. How That's I the wish perfect mnemonic device. How I wish I could calculate pi. Exactly. Okay. And if you Google a little bit farther, you probably will find a picture of a moist post Malone, so be careful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so just a quick note on question five. I asked my friend Sarah to write a question five for this game. And it turns out she did such a great job. It was the perfect question 10. Oh. So you have you have that to look forward to. It just seemed like a good one to sum everything up. Good tease. Okay. Um, so this question five is, is my question. Uh, sports interrupted. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. The current stay-at-home orders have professional sports at a standstill. Even my parents missed their Globetrotters game. Unfortunately, we've seen sports stoppages before as a result of strikes and lockouts. 
the NHL holds the record for the longest stoppage in days, which lasted for the entirety of the 2004 to 2005 season. Within 10 days, tell me, how long did this lockout last? Hmm. Uh, I can guess, Jeff, if you want. I was going to say, Ken, if you want to do the math, because you know how long the season is, so you know basically when it ends and when it would start up again. So, All right, I'll just make a guess. Okay. Um, so they lost the whole season, but they didn't play a shortened season the next year. So it's less than a year. So we're looking at somewhere between 10 and 11 months. Um, so you figure an average of 29 or 30 days per month times like 10, 10 months. So somewhere between like 300 and 315. So logically, I would say 315 would be a good answer. So, cause it gets us the 10 day wiggle room or whatever. So I, I think we can lock in with 315. Okay. I'm going to say a little lower and say uh, 200 days. All right. So the strike lasted for 310 days. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Good job, Matt. Crazy. <sighs> That's a long, long time. First pie. Now hockey stuff. Nice job. <laughs> There was method to your madness after all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it sounds like it's nonsense, but it was getting somewhere, I swear. You gave us just the right amount of Jason Derulo on that question, or as I like to call it, wiggle room. Uh, wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. All right. Number six, podcast land. Staying at home all day, every day can be boring. So pop in some earbuds and explore the world of podcasts. Once you've gone through the Triviality Catalog, you may still be looking for some content for your ears. Science shows seem to be trending. This podcast will kill you, which is hosted by the Aarons, who are two disease ecologists and epidemiologists, has, in my opinion, the best sign-off ever. Since their first episode in 2018, they have ended each show with a nod to a line from a famous movie within a movie by saying, Wash your hands, you blank. Mm, I think. <laughs> I think we could probably lock in, Matt. I think. I think Ken definitely has this one. <laughs> I think so too. This is a Home Alone thing, Jeff. Jeff. Sorry. Jeff. Uh, <laughs> I presume. I presume this is a Home Alone thing. Yeah. Filthy yeah. animal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll say filthy animal. Yeah, as as Ken said on uh, one of our Christmas specials about 300 times, uh, I believe it's Filthy Animals. That is right. And and this entire question is a nod to the annual Triviality Christmas episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love how many times he dropped Filthy Animal in the first one. And the other ones, I think you guys uh, squeezed him in there at the very end. <laughs> well, it's a Christmas tradition. Number seven. Let's get crafty. There's no time like quarantine to pick up a new skill or hobby. Why not, K-N-O-T, take up this crafting craze from the 1970s? You can make a groovy geometric wall hanging or spruce up your space with a hanging plant. Name this crafting craze. Oh, man. I can see the hanging plant. I understand that reference. I didn't know it had a name. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, I think we're just going to go ahead and guess on this one, so feel free to uh, make your own guess. Yeah, um, basket weaving? Uh, oh. I, don't think that's, I don't think that's to do with knots. No, I, I think she's talking about they, some people have plants, that, and then there's like an intricate set of knots from the ceiling that come down, and they sort of hang sometimes in threes or um, in the apartment or whatever. I've seen it before in person. I just didn't know it had a name. Uh, and it's most certainly okay. not like Don Knotts or I did not murder <laughs> him or anything like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. So I I didn't even know they had a name to it. Uh, we'll call it Knotts Landing. Sounds good. We're locked in. We're going to go ahead and guess crochet like I do every time it involves <laughs> yarn. Okay. So uh, this one, no points here. It's called macrame. Mm. So, so Neil, you uh, you described it perfectly. That. That's what it is. Yeah, and it's just made by with a thick twine, and you just tie knots, and you can make all these different patterns. 
So are all the uh, the hemplesses that I wore in high school are those macrame technically? Possibly. I I don't know. My my knowledge doesn't really extend much further than the content of that question. <laughs> Either way, there's a good deal of shame. So uh, mm-hmm. let's uh, move on to the next question. All right, number eight. I feel fine. Um, this this question takes us on just a little bit of a journey. So I will say, just just hang in there. For some strange reason. REM's song, It's the End of the World as We Know It, keeps getting stuck in my head. But don't worry, I feel fine. According to Wikipedia, this song originated from a previously unreleased song called PSA, as in Public Service Announcement. PSA was then reworked and released as a single in 2003 under a new name. It happens to share its name with the decade's biggest one-hit wonder, also used as a swan song for American Idol. And I got to say, it's a step up from the end of the world. Name this song. Matt and I were joking around <laughs> that uh, <laughs> since it was a step up, that Matt said it was the step by step by New Kids on the Block, which is a great song. Uh, <laughs> it's not. So so your, so your original um, guess, you said, was um, Had a Bad Day. Right. Who is that? Who is that by? It's um Daniel something, right? Yeah, I I just remember. Yeah, I don't know if it was the was it the last song. I I used to watch American Idol when it first came out, and I remember watching it in the dorms uh, with all of my mm-hmm. friends. Uh, the performing arts floor, we'd sit down, and uh, one of them would sneak in uh, a uh, bottle of Southern Comfort and make fun of the the singers. But um, yeah, it I, does sound like something they would play if somebody got like voted off. Or now it's ironically made fun of. Uh, bad day because people use it for you know satirical things but i believe when it came out though it was like a sincere song like when people left it was you had a bad day it wasn't like a joke so yeah and it it is 2000s it would be a big one hit wonder and i think it makes sense as a reworking of end of the world because at the end of the world would probably be a bad day so right and she said it's a step up so it's not as bad as the end of the world it's just a bad day Oh, that makes sense then. So all the all the clues fit. So we are going to lock in with "You Had a Bad Day." It's a lot of good reasoning. I don't know that song, uh, REM wise. So we just picked an REM song. It said uh, "Man on the Moon." All right. So the answer is is "Bad Day." So I'm actually hits <laughs> wow, on all the clues. Job. There we go. I just remember watching Bo Bice and uh, that season and people would get kicked off and it would be, you had a bad day. (laughs) Again, there it is again. Yeah. What a nightmare. Yeah. (laughs) I think, I think I remember it mostly now for the NFL ads that they play when your team gets knocked out of the playoffs and they show (laughs) the fans crying in the shower. In the shower. Yeah. It's pretty. Oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Um, Number nine. It's the end of the world as we know it, part two. 2020 has some folks in a post-apocalyptic kind of mood, reaching for entertainment that proves, hey, it could be worse. On most of these much-watch lists for this particular genre is the Mad Max franchise. George Miller's original 1979 film was so low budget that they ran out of money in post-production. He had to work in this place in order to generate enough money to finish the film. I wonder if he got any tips from fellow George, Mr. Clooney, that is. All right, Jeff, uh, I think I'm picking up on some of the some of the parts of this question here. So let's lock in. He's a smart guy, George Miller. Yeah. So I said maybe he worked at a, at a hospital. Maybe he did like maybe he was just moving but like a, one of the body movers or whatever because um, Clooney was on ER. So that would make sense. Right. Yeah, I, that does make sense. Um, he he's really smart though. I don't. I, maybe he's. I don't know if he's a doctor though. That's the thing. I don't think he's a doctor in anything. But well, you you don't have to be. Uh, not everyone that works at the hospital is a doctor. Yeah. Um, Could have been a security guard. That's true. So you're just saying he's a hospital worker. I work at the hospital. I'm not a doctor. You know, just play play jazz in there. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's correct. There's always jazz coming from the white padded room. Uh, mm-hmm. that, it's uh, it's metaphorical jazz. It's uh, you know playing playing jazz with you know surgeries, experimenting. Oh, oh yeah, right, yeah. right. Regular uh, Doctor House over there. Um, I think I think 
it was something temporary just to make enough money to finish the the okay. movie. That's the the point of it. So he worked somewhere, made enough money, then finished his movie. So, you know, a temp job at the hospital makes sense. Yep. We're also saying hospital. All right. Great job. Picking up on the clue. He actually worked in an emergency room, but uh, yeah, hospital will get you the points. Ooh, he, yeah. he was a trained physician. Uh, oh. I found that, that very interesting. So he had to, to go back to finish the movie. Wow. I, I knew he was smart, but that's cool. That's awesome. All right. Um, last question of regulation. And this is the one from my uh, friend and trivia buddy, Sarah. So thank you to her for this excellent question. Category is seeing the light. In the classic novel, The Count of Monte Cristo, the protagonist spends a lot of time in isolation, be it in prison or his deliberate social distance once he re-enters society. At the end of the novel, he reveals that all human wisdom can be summarized in these two words. Two words that 176 years later can offer us some guidance and optimism in our current state of quarantine. What are these two words? We're locked in. Of course. Big time. Of course, it's a count on you. I knew Cristo. I could count on you for this. Oh, man. Ugh. It happens. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to get there. Ken loves this this book and the story. I, I'm i trying to think of a literary two-word term. I mean, is it carpe it diem? happens is so good, dude. That's <laughs> so funny. Yeah. I mean, I was just going to keep saying things that aren't it. So, I mean, yeah. I, I like it happens. I think it's a great answer, but I, if, if I, don't, we're, I don't think he wrote that in the book. I don't think uh, Alexandra Dumas. Alexandre? Alex, how do you say it, Ken? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Alexandre Dumas. Thank you. Uh, yeah, let's just go carpe diem. Uh, the two words are hope and wait. All right. Points to Morgoth. <sighs> and I, I thought that was a wonderful ending to the, uh, the regulation quiz on quarantine. Hope and, and a good ending to the Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. After regulation, the game is still very tight. We've hardly budged with six correct for both of our teams in the second uh, round. Our scores right now before the final are 145 for Morgoth and for 147 for... I forgot our team name already. Um, Actuary. Uh, <laughs> So uh, this is going to be pretty crazy here. It's all going to come down to wagers. So what are the categories, Tamara? So this this is obviously the reason we are in quarantine. So our five categories are C is for cookie. O rhymes with mo. The flying V. There's no I in freedom. And D is my last name. And that's D-E-E. All the wagers are locked in. Let's hear those questions, Tamara. Okay. C is for cookie. How many fingers does Cookie Monster have in total? O rhymes with mo. This mo is a humorist, journalist, and actor. Among other roles, he's hosted the Henry Ford's Innovation Nation, My Grandmother's Ravioli, and the National Geographic Bee. The Flying V. In the 1992 Disney movie, The Mighty Ducks, Coach Bombay takes the kids to a real NHL game. Within five years, both of the teams in that bout had changed locations and or names. Name the two teams that the Mighty Ducks watched play as they were named in 1992. There's no I in freedom there's no I in freedom. Freedom is not meetum, it's weedum. Is a line from a Selena Meyer speech in the HBO series Veep. Julia Louis Dreyfus can often be seen standing on a box when giving such speeches. The actor actually got this move from a real life four foot eleven senator from California. Name this senator. And D is my last name. Don't Go Breaking My Heart was a duet that hit number one for Elton John and this UK singer. All right, we're going to take a look at these questions and we will be right back with the answers. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. 
You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. All the answers are now locked in. So let's hear those questions one more time and we'll see how we did. See us for cookie. How many fingers does Cookie Monster have in total? Uh, me and Jeff uh, wagered 20 on each question. Um, we thought he had less than the usual amount of fingers, so we went with three on each hand for six total. Yeah, we wagered 15, and uh, I thought it might have been was between three and four, and we settled on four in each hand and said eight. Okay, so the, the trick here is that most of the monsters do have four fingers on each hand, but Cookie Monster has five, oh. making the answer mm. 10. Um, I don't know for certain, but my guess is that it's because the puppeteer needs to be able to pick up a cookie and, and feed it in his mouth. And by feed, I mean just have it crumble all over the yeah, place. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that does make a lot so. of sense. All right. Hey, O rhymes with Mo. This Mo is a humorist journalist, and actor. Among other roles, he's hosted the Henry Ford's Innovation Nation, My Grandmother's Ravioli, and the National Geographic Bee. For another 20 points, it sounded like uh, Jeff knew this one, so I'll leave it to him. Yeah, I believe this is Mo Rocca. I think that's right. Yep, uh, Matt clued in on this one. I knew who it was when he said it. I didn't even think about him, but uh, yeah, we said Mo Rocca. Perhaps he's better known as a correspondent on The Daily Show and a contributor to CBS Sunday Morning. That's Mo Rocca. Hey, the, the Flying V. Name the two teams that the Mighty Ducks watched play as they were named in 1992. All right. Uh, we named a couple defunct teams, and we had to go with uh, the Nordiques and the Whalers. Oof. We wagered uh, 30 on this one and should have went with uh, the Minnesota Miracle Man's home state there. Uh, it was the Minnesota North Stars and the Hartford Whalers. Points to um actuary. The uh, the Minnesota North Stars moved to Dallas in '93, and the Hartford Whalers moved to Carolina in 1997 to become the Hurricanes. I forgot that. I forgot he was from Minnesota. Hey, there's no I in freedom. There's no I in freedom. Freedom is not meetum. It's weedum. Is a line from a Selena Meyer speech in the HBO series Veep. Julia Louis Dreyfus can often be seen standing on a box when giving such speeches. And the actor actually got this move from a real-life 4'11 senator from California named this senator. All right, so for uh, 20 points here, I thought maybe you were being clever uh, throwing box in there. We guessed uh, it was uh, Barbara Boxer, who was a former California senator. Oh, that makes a lot of sense uh, with the clue there. Uh, yeah, I I wasn't sure. Uh, I think Diane Feinstein's from California. That could be completely wrong. Uh, I I love Veep, but I just didn't know don't know the reference. Uh, and for fifteen points, that's what we went with, Diane Feinstein. So Diane Feinstein and Barbara Boxer were colleagues for many years. They were both senators from California. The answer is Barbara Boxer, mm. and uh, she she actually calls it the Boxer Box. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> All right, Jeff, let's see if we can close here. Last one. D is my last name. Don't Go Breaking My Heart was a duet that hit number one for Elton John and this UK singer. 
Yeah, this is uh, one of my favorite uh, Elton John songs. Uh, so I know this was Kiki D for 20. Oof. These scores are going to be very, very close. Uh, we wagered 15 on this one. Um, and uh, Neil also knew that this was Kiki D. Yeah, it's a great song and also one of my favorites, Kiki D. All right. After tabulating the scores, it looks like uh, Team Morgoth is going to pick up 20 in that final round. And uh, Team Um Actuary is going to pick up 30. Uh, so the final score is going to be 165 for Team Morgoth and 177 for today's cream of the crop, Um Actuary. Yeah, no, I'm living in a nightmare, and I am the cream. <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> what a close one. Take it all back. I definitely can't do what Judy Dench can do. <laughs> Morgoth that's, that's is the defeated again. Bee. Your yeah. confidence in Mighty Ducks. You know, uh, it's, ne- you it's, win. it's never the sports thing that I think it is when I measure and this time it actually was. So it actually worked out. So, um, you know, thank you, Gordon Bombay, um, you know, Charlie Conway, uh, all, all, all the rest of them. Goldberg. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, but great game. Great, great. It was uh, nicely written. Uh, we had a good time. Right, guys? Yeah, thank you. Yes, thank you very Absolutely. much. Yeah. Any uh, shout outs for anyone you'd like to give right now? Um, just kind of a general shout out to staying healthy in 2020, uh, you know, physically and, and mentally. Um, and then, you know, as a, as a note to that, uh, just a wonderful thank you to my family and friends. They've, they've all been wonderful during this time. We're checking in with each other, doing yoga together and just finding ways to hang out and have fun and stay in touch and, uh, you know, writing this game and, and taking on other trivia activities just you know studying and and writing other games for friends and family is something that's brought me a lot of joy during quarantine so i just hope that everybody finds that something that you know can give them a good feeling and and kind of get them through this well thank you we we love the game uh we thank you for your support uh not only just listening to the show but also on patreon uh and for wearing a t-shirt there which is great too um, thank you very, very much uh, for supporting us. If you'd like to join Tamara, you can go to patreon.com slash triviality podcast. Or if you just want to support the show and be a listener or interact with us, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at triviality pod for Jeff uh, and Ken, who are going to be doing a TikTok dance or at least trying to choreograph one uh, for Matt and myself. That was triviality. There's a uh, restaurant here that I know Matt was a huge fan of uh, called uh, Chef Shangri-La, and they've been delivering and doing carryout of one of their drinks called the Dr. Fong, which is a very alcoholic, Mm -hmm. fruity drink. Uh, So I've been seeing people uh, carrying out these large (laughs) gallon-sized alcoholic drinks. That would that would be me if I still lived in the area. I, I miss uh, Jimmy Fong, who used to make the best Dr. Fongs. He was the keeper of the secret. They would not tell us what was in that fancy orange bottle, but uh, it was delicious, and you could only have one of them because, oh boy, you're you're having a rough night if any more than that. <laughs>